we're going to have fun this morning. Um, I'm glad for the rain because I'm tired of the pollen. I'm tired of feeling sick. I'm tired of being stopped up. I'm tired of, of just, ugh. you know, you get that feel. You're not really sick. You just feel gross. That's what I kind of feel like this morning, but I wanted to give you all my best, so instead of taking any like cough medicine or anything like that, I just got a lot of caffeine, so this is going to be a fun time, but I need y'all to speak back to me. Don't be scared to say amen this morning. If something hits you, don't be scared to, to bring it out of me, but I need you to look at someone today. You're going to tell them the title of my message this morning in week two of Unqualified, but I need you to do it just like this. I need you to look at your neighbor, and I need you to go... How'd you call me? Do it. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Do it. I'm going to keep making you do it till you do it. How'd you call me? Now, I'm going to tell you that there is no biblical relevance. I didn't tell you to have a conversation. Come on. Come on. Come on. Um, there's no biblical relevance for, for my message title. It's just when I was thinking of the title, I just had this fond memory of a good friend of mine that I used to work with. He's from Puerto Rico. And he speaks pretty good English, but every once in a while he has just one or two words or a phrase that's just a little off. And one day I was at work and I called his name and uh, he was in the other room and he didn't hear me quite right. He didn't know exactly what I said. So he walked in to the room that I was in and he said, how'd you call me? And so I just started thinking about that and it brought back good memories. So that's it. I'm excited about this series. No, not good. Not a good story. Why do you have to sit up front? Um, I'm excited about this series. Are y'all excited about this series? Because the, the whole purpose of this series is to show the person that thinks every day that I'm not good enough, that you are good enough, because God uses unqualified people. As a matter of fact, he uses a lot of unqualified people to do great things. He, he, he uses a lot of unqualified people I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite people in the Bible, and he's definitely unqualified. And we're going to be kind of looking at deception. And how many of y'all know that deception is not just trying to deceive others? It, it can be trying to deceive you or trying to deceive God, too. Um, and there's a couple of things when I was reading through his life, I was like, dude, this guy's jacked up. I'm going to hit on a couple of things this morning. And I'm excited. One of my favorite people in the Bible. But when I was thinking of who to talk about, I was thinking about all the people that are unqualified that God used in big ways. And I got a list for you. We got Noah was drunk. Noah was drunk and did some weird things. I mean, have y'all seen the movie? Come on. Noah did some weird things. Hashtag rock monsters. Abraham was too old. Joseph was abused. Moses was a criminal. Samson was promiscuous. Gideon was doubtful. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was depressed. I have, I know the plans I have for you, but Jeremiah was depressed. David had an affair and he was a murderer. Elijah, we talked about this last week. Elijah was fearful and suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Yeah, it's in the Bible. My voice is going to crack because of pollen. Um, but this is in the Bible. And I can tell you that, listen, we're talking about like going to the bathroom and stuff like that, but I can tell you nothing I'm going to say is going to be any more awkward than if I got up here and preached to you naked, <laughs> right? Go ahead, go ahead, embrace it, embrace it, embrace that awkwardness. Some of y'all are like, I have visual minds, I have visual minds. Jonah was disobedient and judgmental. 
Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. Peter denied Jesus. The woman at the well had multiple divorces. Pastor Josh, Zacchaeus was short too, dog. <laughs> Paul was a murderer and he was religious. Timothy was too young. And last but not least, Lazarus was dead. <laughs> Lazarus was dead. But I chose to talk to you this morning about Jacob. Now, who is Jacob? The best answer to this is that Jacob, among other things, was characterized by family hostilities. It characterized his whole life. He was a determined man. Some would say he was ruthless. He was a con artist. He was a liar. He was a manipulator. He was a deceiver. In fact, the name Jacob not only means deceiver, it literally means grabber. It means grabber. Aren't we glad that God uses unqualified people to do great things? You might be here this morning thinking to yourself, I'm not blank enough or, or I'm too blank. You know, so sometimes we have that I'm too this issue to do anything for God. But God uses unqualified people to do great things. You might be here today. You might be addicted. You might be insecure. Maybe, maybe you're wanting to be a better spouse this morning. You're not there yet. Maybe you're, you're wanting to be the best parent that you can be, but you're not there yet. Aren't you glad that God uses unqualified people? Now, how many of y'all have heard about Instagram? Come on, nobody. There's like teenagers in here. Nobody. Okay. Instagram, Instagram. So Instagram is a social media platform where you share pictures and videos. And if y'all are going to take any pictures of me this morning, please feel free to let me know so I can suck in because, you know, I'm married. Let myself go a little bit. Let me suck in. Um, but Instagram, you could share photos or videos and you can share it with people. They can look at kind of what you're doing. I like to post pictures of my family. I like to post pictures of food. And I like to make people laugh. And I, I brought a couple of pictures from my Instagram this morning. If you'll bring those up. The first one. Aw. Uh, yeah. Right? Right? That's my beautiful kids. This one actually made it on my Instagram. And if you're like me, before you had kids, you have these grand ideas that these are the pictures that you're going to be loading your Instagram up with. Right? You see other people's Instagram, and you're like, man, them kids are beautiful. What? I can't wait till my kids take those type of pictures. But can I tell you that it's really hard to get those type of pictures. There's a lot of just funny pictures of Judah because, see, he's cooperating in this, in this photo. But I can tell you that the way you get good pictures like this is you have a really good photographer with a really fast camera just clicking out 150 pictures every minute. And here's what I mean by this. This is the final product. This is what went on my Instagram. But go to the next one for me, guys. Look at Lila. <laughs> Lila's not even old enough to start knowing she needs to stick her tongue out for pictures. We got Judah to cooperate. We're like, kiss your sister and hold it. By God, hold it till we get done with this picture. And she sticks her tongue out. Let's go to the next one. Spider-Man. Now, this was what made it onto my Instagram. But I want to tell you, first off, that Judah put on this Spider-Man mask. He walked into my room, and he goes, Hey, Daddy, show me how to do Spider-Man. And I showed him, you know, Spider-Man's just, you know, you, you shoot the web out. That's a, that's a sound effect you need to teach your kids, right? And, and so, of course, he's trying to do it, and he, he flicks me off and does all kinds of... Or at one point, he's like this, and I'm like, You know what? Just... 
let's just flex your muscles. Let me take a picture. And I took a picture and I showed Rachel. I'm like, isn't this cute? And she goes, no, that's terrible because I was standing above Judah taking it down. And so she got down on the ground and she took a picture, but she didn't take this picture. Let's go to the next one. She took that picture. <laughs> because Judah doesn't stand still very long. And so in order to get that first picture, I had to, y'all know what live photo is, right? Where you hold the photo down and it shows a little short video. I had to hold it and screenshot that jump. You know how hard that is? Let's go to the next one. That's, that's the end result. And I'm like, I'm trying to screenshot. I have 100 pictures of me trying to screenshot just to get that one picture. And I've got one more. I didn't bring this one this morning, but... It's too good not to tell. This is just, hey, when I'm telling this story, just remember I'm not naked. Um, we have a pool for Judah, and we've been letting him go outside and go swimming, and I don't waste swim diapers when we're at our house, so I just put his shorts on. I take his diaper off, put shorts on him. Well, he's also starting to get interested in potty training, and how many of y'all know that if you can get a guy to go outside, he's going to? So I'm like, we have a fenced-in backyard. It's naked time. And so I take off his shorts. I'm like, listen, if you need to pee-pee, just get out and just stand in the grass. And I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story. There's nothing more, I, I guess, weird and awkward than you're sitting there working on your schoolwork. You're, you're outside enjoying your kids playing. My, Lila doesn't play yet, obviously, but Judah's playing. He's playing in the, in the pool, and then you hear him go, Daddy! I poop in the grass. <laughs> now, now that's unsettling because you're like, fantastic. I don't know if I'm supposed to be mad. I guess it's no worse than us having dogs. There could be worse places for him to go to the bathroom, but Judah hasn't quite figured out the difference between pooping and pee-pee. And so what he means to say is I pee-peed in the grass and I'm super stoked, but then you know, I, I go back, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ignore that. And I go back and I'm working on my homework. And then I hear, and I'm like, Rachel just face palms. And I look over, Judah has climbed up on his playset. We've got a big like treehouse type playset. He's climbed up in it. Remember, he's butt naked. And he lays down on his slide, belly down. And I just see this pasty rear sliding towards me. And he's wet at this point from the pool, hopefully the pool. Um, and he's going pretty fast, but he gets down to the bottom and you hear, ah! you know, because he, the water's dried up. And he, he kind of gets up on all fours and he goes, Daddy, help. And I want to let you know that being a good dad, I walked over there too. The first thing I did was reach my hand out and snap a picture. <laughs> then I helped him up, and I had my phone in my hand. I'm, I'm getting ready, you know, and Rachel goes, don't you dare post that on Instagram. And I said, come on. I had already put it up in my queue with the hashtag things that get awkward when you get older. And she's like, don't post that on Instagram. And what I'm trying to tell you by these stories today is that Instagram is designed to, to, for people to see what you want them to see. It's designed 
for people to see the best in us, the best pictures, the ones we choose. And then there's Pinterest. How many of y'all have heard about Pinterest? Do y'all use Pinterest? So this is taken off the Wikipedia page for Pinterest. Pinterest is an internet photo sharing and publishing service that allows users to pin pictures they like and upload their own recommendation to their pin boards. Users can visit other pin boards, repin images to their own pin boards, or like photos. Pinterest has many different categories, and it can range from fashion, recipes, home improvement, to quotes, health, and beauty. Now, that's what's on the Wikipedia page, but how many of y'all know that's not the definition of Pinterest? That's not the definition of Pinterest. This is the real definition of Pinterest. A visually driven social media platform strategically designed for nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week reminders that your kids are not as well-dressed as your neighbor kids, your home is decorated like crap, the pictures you take on your phone are comparatively artless, you did a terrible job planning your own wedding, and that you live a generally tedious, monotonous, painfully dull existence unlike everyone else, who is awesome. What I'm trying to tell you today is there's plenty of stuff out there that'll tell you you're unqualified. Or better yet, there's stuff out there that'll tell you that there's somebody out there that's more qualified than you. Amen? I'm going to share my, my struggle with you. I almost choked on my uh, cough drop. That would be bad. Now, that would be awkward. Maybe that's a little worse than Isaiah if, if I died up here because I choked on a cough drop. Um, I'm going to share my struggle with you today. I struggle with feeling, am I smart enough to get up here and hold this microphone and preach to you? That's the inside look at what I struggle with. I struggle with whether or not I'm qualified to do what God's called me to do. Because some of you know what I plan to do with my life and kind of the steps I'm taking to get there. But I struggle with this a, a great deal. And not all the time, but, but there's sometimes that I struggle with... Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough to do what God's called me to do? And I think that you can relate to that this morning. We're going to be looking at Genesis 32. And as you get there, I'm going to kind of set this up. God told Jacob to return back to his home. He's on his way and he sends a messenger to tell Esau, his brother, that he's on his way home. Now, Esau represents that thing that we've been running from, that thing that we don't want to face, that, that conflict or that struggle that we don't want to face, so we've been running from it. It also represents who we pretend to be to get the blessing this morning. And we'll get into more of that as we go. But we see that he's been hiding for 21 years, y'all. He's been running from Esau for 21 years. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you hiding from? What are you pretending to be? What conflict are, are you scared to face? What's your Esau? Chances are it's not the thing that you tell your close, or your, your friends or your small group. It's the thing that you might share to your close friends. It's not the symptom and it's not a behavior. It's the thing that's deeper. And I want to tell you that it's going to be really ineffective for me to get up here and just speak about behavior modification. Because I don't believe that that's what God wants to do. I believe that God wants to get to the issue that's inside so that that, that symptom is gone. Amen? And so I want to tell you that it's going to be ineffective if I don't dig around. It's just the, the right type of quiet in here. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor Josh? 
That's why at this church we don't tell people you have to have it all put together before you come. Because it looks great in the pews. It looks great on a Sunday morning. It looks, it looks great in church. But what does it look like on your Mondays? What does it look like on your weekends when it's time to go party? What does it look like to someone who's lost something? What does it look like to someone who, who's going through marriage problems or seeing their kids rebel? What does that look like? I got, I got to stop. I'm setting this up. I'm, I'm going to start preaching. Um, the messengers came back to Jacob and he said, Esau is on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified, and he prayed that God would deliver him from Esau. He sent a bunch of gifts ahead to give to Esau to try to appease him, and that's where we're going to pick up in verse 22. Jacob, during the night, took his two wives, his two servant wives. Come on, we'll deal with that in another series. We're, we're going to do another series called Sister Wives, or maybe we'll do, we'll do TLC, right? Some of y'all are like, I love this church. <laughs> he took his two wives, his two servant wives, his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions, and this left Jacob all alone in the camp. This is where God can do some great work is when you're all alone in the camp. A man came and wrestled with him until dawn. There's another translation that I like the way it says it a little bit better. It actually says the man came and grabbed Jacob and they wrestled till dawn. That's going to be important towards the end of my message. I need you to remember that. The man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. The man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and fought with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. We're going to stop right there. Isn't it interesting that, that God didn't just come to Jacob in a vision or in a dream as he had before? Isn't it interesting that God didn't just speak the promise that he had already told Jacob or, or give him words of affirmation or, or speak comforting words? Instead, he sent something that Jacob was going to have to wrestle with all night, and it probably felt like a really bad interruption. It probably felt like something that Jacob didn't want at that time when he just, he's scared. He's already having to face the issue that he's been running from for 21 years. Now he's scared. He's asking God to deliver him and comfort him, and God sends somebody to wrestle with him. And I want to tell you today that sometimes God sends things in ways that we don't necessarily want it. We've been talking on Wednesday nights about how God uses the storms in our lives to position us and how God uses circumstances that we may not necessarily want to be in to provide our supply for the assignment that he's called us to. And it's been really powerful. But I want to tell you that sometimes we're praying for things and the very thing that we're praying for, God sends, but it looks like something that maybe isn't necessarily what we wanted. He had to wrestle with this guy to get a blessing. And given the, the wrestling and given that he was already scared, scared of Esau, who we know is a hunter, then he's afflicted with a hip injury. So now he's even more vulnerable to Esau. 
And I think that right there, I could just see someone who's saying, great, I, I prayed for this, and now I'm, I feel like I'm coming out even worse than when I went in, but now he's fully dependent on God. Now he's fully dependent that God will go and work out the situation. Some of us need that in our lives because if we, if we here's what God's taught me. When I start feeling unqualified, when I start feeling like I'm not good enough, God's shown me that if he's called me, he'll equip me. And it, I don't have to be qualified enough. I just have to be equipped. And if, if sometimes if I was qualified to do the thing that I don't feel qualified to do, then I wouldn't need God to equip me. If I was a great speaker naturally, if I wasn't an introverted person naturally, I wouldn't need God to speak through me. I would be able to do it, and I wouldn't have to depend on God. I believe that's for someone this morning. And it's interesting that this isn't the first time that Jacob had wrestled. Look at Genesis 25, verse 21. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb, so she went to ask the Lord about it. This is funny. Why is this happening to me? She asked, come on, moms. Why is this happening to me? Labor, labor, why is this happening to me? The babies were fighting in her womb. The Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and the older son will serve the younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Now Esau sounds like the Hebrew word for hair. Isn't that, yeah? Isn't that good? Aren't you glad that we don't name kids like that today? I'll be honest with you. If we named kids like that today, Judah would be named curious one who gets into all. Curious one who gets into all. I'm glad that we don't name people like that. I would be called extremely attractive, short, fat guy. Um, but then the other twin was born, and his hand was grasping Esau's hill, so they named him Jacob, which sounds like the Hebrew word for hill grabber and deceiver. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. I thought I was old when I became a dad at 32. Just as Jacob had wrestled with God and Jacob had wrestled with his family, he also wrestled with himself to find himself. And sometimes what I, I think the tendency is is there's a little conflict on who we want to be and who we really are or, and, and who we pretend to be and who we really are. Jacob was always trying to be first. He came out grasping his brother's heel. And he wanted, even subconsciously in the womb, he wanted to be first. They fought. To be first, Jacob had a me first mentality, and we live in a me first culture. And if we're not careful, we can start to live by me first. And we want to be recognized, we want to be thinner, we want to be better, we want to be smarter. But me first is miserable. Me first is miserable. Me first is exhausting. Jesus talked about it like this in Luke 9. He said, What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your very self? Jacob is trying to be first, but he came out second. And that, the, the reason why this is so important is because the older son would get significantly more 
than the younger son. He's the one that got the blessing. He's the one that got the birthright. He's the one that, that was the... So, so when you see that the younger son will be served by the older son, that doesn't make sense to that culture because that's not the culture they live in. And so he's wanting to be first, but he came out second. And I see this kid starting down a path where he's going to be constantly grabbing at stuff for the rest of his life. Then there's a time when Jacob tricked his brother out of his birthright for a bowl of beans. Now remember, Jacob means deceiver and hill grabber. Remember, two parts to the inheritance. There's the birthright and then there's the blessing. Esau had been out hunting all day, came home hungry, and Jacob said, hey, for these beans, give me your birthright. And Esau said, certainly, I'm hungry. I might even die. How many of y'all have never been that hungry? <laughs> but be careful that you don't give away what you, what you want the most from what you want right now. Be careful that you don't do that. Then Jacob concocted a plan to take his brother's blessing because when you live with a me-first mentality, it's never enough. C.S. Lewis, he's a great theologian and author, he actually said this, we don't always take pride in a particular possession. We take pride in having more of that possession than someone else. When Jacob was younger, he tricked his older brother into giving him his birthright, and then he tricked his dad into giving him Esau's blessing. And we see this in Genesis 27, 28, if you want to read. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it. He dressed up in animal skins. He dressed up in animal skins because, remember, his brother's hairy. And he tricked his dad, who was old, he was blind, he knew he was about to die. He had told Esau to go out, Kill me something and bring me something to eat, and then I'll give you my blessing. Now, Rebecca overheard this and said, Jacob, listen, you better go kill some goats, and let's cook for your dad, and then you can go in and you can get the blessing instead. And Jacob said, well, I'm not hairy like my brother. So Rebecca was like, well, just put on the animal skins. How many of y'all know that's stinky? I wonder, you know, when the Bible talked about Esau being red, that's weird. Um, but then it talks about him being hairy. But what does he smell like when Isaac doesn't know the difference between a dead goat? <laughs> you, th you think about that for a minute. What does he, what does he smell like? And he put on the, the goat skins and he goes in. And we know that Jacob got the blessing that Esau was supposed to get. And when I read this story, I think that Jacob was a young man. Does anybody know how old he was when this happened? Been manipulated by his mom. He was 76 years old. He was 76 years old. Some of us are just glad that, hey, he was still unqualified late in his life. And so there's hope today. Amen? Jacob got the, the blessing by pretending to be someone he wasn't. Because of that deception, he wasn't even able to enjoy it because he had to go on the run from Esau. He got exactly what he wanted, was unable to enjoy it, and he had to hide from that one issue. Now here's his conflict. Now here's his, his thing that he's going to be running from for the next 21 years. And I want to ask you again, what are you hiding from? What are you running from? I read this story, and I know the context, so I know why Jacob was dysfunctional, why he did this. But I'm going to tell you why he did it. It's found in Genesis 25, 
As the boys grew, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament preferring to stay at home. Now, let me just tell you, that is the Bible's way of saying that he was a mama's boy. And then it goes on and it says, Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. There it is. There it is. Isaac loved Esau because he was a hunter. He was a man's man. And now we have the mama's boy who's looking for the approval of the dad. And I've been there. I've been there. My dad wasn't there in my life as I was growing up, so I know what that's like. I know what that's, that's like. I know what that feels like. But psychology tells us that typically there are two ways that you're going to deal with abandonment issues and you're going to deal with this type of situation. You're either going to attach to it or avoid it. But Jacob did both. He, he attached to it at birth. He grabbed the hill of Esau. Then he pretended to be Esau so that he could get approval of his father, so he could get the blessing. And now he's running from the very thing that he pretended to be and tried to grab onto and tried to be. When someone is chasing us, I want you to listen to this. This was good. This made me happy when, when I, I, I was writing these notes. We see someone chasing something they can never get while avoiding something they don't want to face. And I think we can relate to Jacob. I think we can relate. Because sometimes we put on costumes to get the things that we think we need. Sometimes there's a gap between the person that we want to be and the person that we really are. So we create this identity to bridge that gap. But I want to tell you that God won't bless who you pretend to be. God won't change who you pretend to be. We don't fool God with our disguises. What good is it for Jacob to fool Isaac, but he can't fool God? He didn't fool himself. He had to go on the run. It wasn't like Esau was like, all right, bro, you, you got it. He had to go on the run, and it became a lifelong issue that he was on the run from, and there's tension between who the people think you are and who you really are and who you want to be. Has anybody ever felt that tension? You don't have to raise your hand, but just think about that. Chances are you felt that tension. When we pretend to be someone that we are not, then we stop letting God work in us. We stop letting God make us who he wants to be for the appearance that he's made us who we want to be. That's what I like to call church clothes. That's, that's what I like to call when you put it like you have it all together. But deep down in the inside, there's deep work that needs to be done. But what you're doing is you're pretending that that work's been done and not actually letting God do it. God doesn't, God doesn't bless who we pretend to be. It takes Jacob 21 years to see that. He starts to hope that there can be reconciliation and they did, they did reconcile, and it was beautiful. But I want to ask you this morning, what good is it? What good is it to pretend? If we know that God is able to do this, we know that God can reconcile who we want to be, who he's called us to be, and who we are now. He, he can reconcile the spouse that you want to be with the spouse that you are now. If we know that, then what good is it to pretend 
On the way back home, Jacob wrestled with God, and the Bible doesn't actually say that it was God until afterwards. But I want to do some math. So Jacob was 76 when he stole the blessing. He ran from Esau for 21 years, and now he's going back home and he wrestles with God. He's 97 years old. No wonder his hip popped out of socket. You know? No wonder is I'm just up here thinking how bad Chuck Taylor's hurt. I don't remember Chuck Taylor's hurting my feet before I turned 34. And he's 97 wrestling with God. He had a lifelong habit of grabbing after things. He had a lifelong habit of reaching after things and deceiving people and pretending to be stuff. But now something's got a hold of him. Remember, I told you that translation actually says that, that the man came and grabbed Jacob and wrestled with him. And isn't that what grace does? Isn't that what Jesus has done? That he reached out. He didn't wait on us to come to him. He reached out. Can, can we give God praise this morning that, that he reached out, that he came to grab onto us? Some of us need to know that God will grab onto you. We see that God changed his name and his identity immediately after the wrestling match. But when you read the Bible, you'll see that the Bible continues to call him Israel and Jacob. And that's because change can be conflicting. Jacob has a new name, but he still has a conflict. God's not scared of your conflict. God's not scared of who you pretend to be. God's not scared of what you need him to do this morning. But it was a turning point for Jacob. And this is where it gets weird. The man asked Jacob his name. Now, they've been wrestling all night, and he's just now asking his name. When God asked his name, he said, Jacob. He said, truthfully, he didn't pretend to be somebody else. He didn't pretend to be Esau again. He said, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm just Jacob. And the key to finding ourselves this morning is to admit who we really are. Amen. Confession starts with being able to admit who you are. Healing starts with confession. Remember that he'd been asked this question before by Isaac. Who are you? I'm your servant. Esau, and now he's being asked that same question, and he just he says, I, I'm just Jacob. I'm just Jacob. God's saying to us this morning, I know who you pretend to be, but who are you really? Jacob says, I'm done pretending. I'm finally ready to let go. I'm, I'm just Jacob. When he finally admits to God who he is, he gets a new identity. Let's look at verse 28 again. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. Your name will no longer be known as Jacob. You'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and man and you have won. Come on, sometimes it's through the struggles that God shows us who we really are. We can give God praise because we know that sometimes it's through the struggles that God's going to do the best things in our lives. And that's why I love this series is because it's not about God using polished people to do great things. It's about God using unqualified people because God doesn't call us what we've done. God doesn't call us who we pretend to be. God calls us by what Jesus has done. 
God calls us by what he is in us. And I think it's interesting because I looked up what Israel meant right here. And Israel in this verse means triumphant with God. Everybody say, I've got a new name. Jacob is who I am. Israel is who he is in me. I've got a new name. Triumphant with God. I'm closing now. I'm starting to bring the plane in. If you'll just bear with me. Band, if you'll go ahead and come up. I want you to really pay attention to this because this is what this whole message is about. This is where everything ties together. This is where everything starts to make sense. I remember when I was praying about this and and God showed me this stuff and and I was writing my notes and revising my notes and, and trying to get the best out of everything. I remember this part made me really happy because this part is what, when I feel unqualified, this part is what speaks to me. The very last thing that Jacob said to the man he was wrestling with is, please tell me your name. But the man said, I didn't come here to show you who I am. I came here to show you who you are. Why do you need to know my name? Jacob had already met God several years ago, but he had never met himself. And I believe that there are people here today that's going through that same exact thing. You've met God, but you have not met yourself. Let's fast forward many years. God has used Jacob to multiply his people. One of Jacob's son is used to deliver not only an entire nation, but his family. And Israel grows in number so fast that Egypt enslaves them so that they won't take over. They become known as God's people, the nation of Israel. And God raises up a man who himself is very unqualified to deliver God's people from slavery. God appears to Moses in a burning bush, and Moses asks, Who shall I say sent me? Who shall I say has sent me? God looks at Moses. He doesn't look. He's in a bush. He talks to Moses, and he says, Tell him, I am has sent me to you. I am blank. When when you're not something, God says, I am Now, I've preached on that verse before. I've preached on that saying before. But I've never preached on the next one. In Exodus 3, he says, Tell them that the God of Abraham, which is a new identity, the God of Abraham, he was formerly known as Abram, And the God of Isaac. And I'm thinking he's going to say the God of Israel has sent me to you. Because if you're God and you're wanting to make yourself known to your people that you're about to deliver them from slavery, wouldn't you want to be known as the God of second chances? Wouldn't you want to be known as the God of the new identity? The God of the triumphant? Wouldn't you want to be known as the God who is going to take you from being a slave and to being a free people. Wouldn't you want to be known as that if you're God? But he doesn't say that. He says, I'm the God of Jacob. That made me happy because God says, I'm the God of the deceiver. I'm I'm the God of the grabber. I'm I'm the God of, of not the pretty side. I'm the God of the guy who's fought his whole life. 
to try to get ahead. And it cost him. He ended up having to run from it. And he didn't face it till late in his life. I feel like God's trying to tell you this morning that he's not the God of your good side. It takes you admitting who you are for God to give you that new identity. But he's saying this morning that I'm grabbing a hold of you. I'm not always going to be known as the God of your good side. And that's good news for us today. Because Jacob wasn't always Israel. Sometimes Jacob was the deceiver again. He's not just the God of the parts of us that are pretty. He's the God of the unqualified. He's the God of Jacob too. Everything in our lives will change when we admit that I'm just Jacob. But then God says, I'm the God of Jacob too. You bow your head and close your eyes this morning.